Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Cleo slash Marie, the podcast where we read through fanfiction one pairing at a time. We just couldn't get enough of Aragorn slash Legolas. <laughs> Some of us so- couldn't get enough of Aragorn slash Legolas. <laughs> and so um, we're bringing to you a special crack fic episode uh, where we're reading one fanfiction about this pairing, How to Save Your Marriage by 11 Inches. Um, so I'm joined, of course, by Marie, as usual. I'm I'm still here. I'm still reading fan fiction. I love all types of fan fiction, including crackfic, and I'm glad that Cleo does too. <laughs> Smooth. Um, and we're also joined by Sarah. Hello. I have a fascination with medievalism and a lifelong fandom with Lord of the Rings. Near lifelong, like twelve. That's a lot of my life. <laughs> that's, that's basically lifelong. How 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 old do people live to anyway? <laughs> Also, is anyone before 12 really alive? A person yet. No. Who knows? <laughs> I don't think so. Discuss. No. Write him. <laughs> I, mean, I think this fanfic makes that argument. <laughs> That's true. Actually, this uh, this ties nicely into the question of how to produce an heir if you don't want to uh, true. sleep with a woman. Um, so, Marie, how would you summarize how to save your marriage? <laughs> I mean, I think we should acknowledge that the summary that the fan fiction itself gives, which is Aragorn needs an heir, Arwen wants to go home, Legolas is just there for the free food, is, I mean, pretty perfect. (laughs) (laughs) If I were to go beyond that, um, this is a post-canon story where you have Arwen and Aragorn are married, and Arwen kind of is, is confronted with her sudden mortality, and also the fact that she is presumably expected to sleep with Aragorn, and is like, "Mm, I don't know about that. And so she dips out. Aragorn is like, oh no. Also, Legolas appears because he's hungry. Um, And the, the pressing issue issue here is that Aragorn needs an heir. So their first plan is to kidnap a hobbit. And the hobbit is like, oh, I'm getting free food. Cool. <laughs> um, like room and board. And so the hobbit goes and lives with him and pretends to be his son. No one at court buys this at all. Then their second plan is to go and try to kidnap a human child, um, which it was was actually like a better plan. So at least they're getting better over time. Um, and throughout this time, I guess you have sort of hints of something going on between Aragorn and Legolas, but there isn't actually anything definitive until the end um, when Legolas brings up the idea of like, well, you know, why didn't you just like go and find like another woman to marry or like sleep with a woman in order to get an heir? That seems like that would be easier than your wacky um kidnapping plans and and then Legolas is like no then Aragorn is like oh what like I could never I could never like cheat on my wife like that blah 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 and then Legolas is just like your hand is on my butt right now <laughs> this oh my gosh sorry my cat is trying to tear down my microphone there <laughs> <laughs> actually had no time for this story uh I do appreciate that I think this story accurately reflects the utter lack of sexual tension in Aragorn and Arwen's relationship. Yeah, and I thought maybe that was purposeful. I feel like they're kind of making fun of that, that the idea that sort yeah. of Arwen does not seem to have, or is not in any way indicated to have sexual desire. And I think that's a funny way to sort of look at that, her side of kind of realizing like, oh, marriage consummation? Mm, not for me. <laughs> if I can say the most obnoxious thing I've ever said, I think of the four fanfics that we have read of this pairing. I think this is the one with the closest relationship to canon. Oh, no! Say more about that. Well, that is quite, that is quite the statement. <laughs> and that I think it takes a relationship dynamic that in canon that I and I think the way in which it depicts it makes sense to me 
Is this also how you think Aragorn and Legolas are in canon? Well, until the end, actually. (laughs) I mean, one thing I do think about this story is Aragorn is portrayed as like vaguely clueless. Yeah, that that does not, in fact, I think, totally work. (laughs) No, I think I don't think Aragorn is in fact that clueless. There are several points where people around him are hinting about them there being a relationship between him and Legolas, and he doesn't Mm -hmm. really get the implication. Right. Like Arwen is kind of like, oh, of course Legolas is here. Is this more of your male bonding? <laughs> and it kind of like implies that they're sleeping together. And Aragorn's like, yeah, Legolas is here. <laughs> and I also enjoyed the uh, that he like brings in this hobbit. He's like, we thought the hobbits were children the first time we see them, and it, but it's this like fifty year old man who's like yeah. who's like and smoking. Like, <laughs> and, was, like, and no one at court, no one at court buys this at all. And he keeps like kicking these like kicking like firing people. Yeah, like, he's trying to like, banish people from the realm because they're like, I'm pretty sure your child is just a hobbit. Yeah, I mean, part of this is Aragorn and Legolas both kind of coming to the realization that a relationship between them is possible, which is kind of interesting because in some ways this feels like it's a little bit about getting over enforced heterosexuality or the assumption of heterosexuality Mm -hmm. because it feels like that's also maybe what's going on with Arwen where it's like she's just gotten married because she's like, I guess I have to get married. And then she's like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, I don't want to like sleep with this person. Mm -hmm. Like, ew. Um, And so in some ways, like, all the characters are sort of trying to figure out, like, okay, there's the societal stuff, there's what people assume is going to happen, and then there's what I want. Yeah, and and I like that. So, you know, I think it's interesting in terms of thinking about, like, Arwen as, I don't know, I mean, maybe, like, not heterosexual or, like, on the ace spectrum or something, and that, like, she is clearly, like, just, like, not here for this as well as being unhappy about giving up her immortality but also i think this thick is the one that i think actually did the best job of showing why they could get together and that at least i'm like okay they like have this like weird adventure and bond in a different way while they're uh this fic actually does use the line let's hunt some children um so while they are hunting children they have this like they like bond in a different way from how they have previously I think this I think this is the one that gave to me the best basis for a relationship between Aragorn and like, like although although the story is obviously like you know sort of very silly and sort of like crack fit comedic I think there is kind of this real question of what is it like to try to sort of go back to an expected normal life after you've mm-hmm. been off adventuring um, because they have been sort of off adventuring and having these sort of very intense relationships with each other and then all of a sudden they're back to the system of like oh well Aragorn's king he has to marry Arwen he has to produce an heir and their lives are sort of written out for them and it seems like Legolas was just like wandering around <laughs> afterwards and then kind of like wanders into his court because he's hungry and that also is this sort of like this sort of like change of scripts of like we had this one life this one life together and now we're sort of expected to like sort of move on and do these specific things that maybe don't mm-hmm. match what we actually want and i think also has an interesting then exploration in terms of both arwen's comments in terms of what then ultimately happens of the the homoeroticism of homosocial bonding right that you know we very much see i mean you know Tolkien represents this real, this kind of world which in which women are kind of fundamentally absent much of the time. I mean, there's like three women in Lord of the Rings, um, and like they're not on, like they're not on screen on page for like that much of Lord of the Rings, and in fact, on screen slightly more than on page, and that's still like not a lot. And you know, and that very much also I think ties in with a lot of the with a lot of like medieval texts, right? In terms, like I, I think you know, if we think about say like Beowulf, right? It is this kind of homosocial bonding, right? I mean, it's like Beowulf, and he's like got his like buddies and yeah, his posse like, of dudes. Yeah. 
Beowulf's relationships with like people always when they make like Beowulf films and like try to read in some sort of like romance uh, or sex Mm -hmm. and like but it is definitely something you have to like artificially insert. Yeah, it's really the like textually only relationships between men are actually important. Like Grendel's mom is not sexy. <laughs> she is not sexy, and her feet are not heels. Weirdly, surprising. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe she is sexy, but that doesn't mean she and Beowulf have sex. That's true. Yeah, she could just be independently sexy. Yeah. I mean, it's presumably Grendel's father found her quite attractive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. But anyway, yes. <laughs> that, that is in the weeds. <laughs> I think what's really fun about this is all of the energy that's going into recreating the appearance of the nuclear family or a particular kind of nuclear family that actually most of the characters just have no interest whatsoever in perpetuating. So it's like a woman and a man who are married and then their child is like, nope, like she's just going to leave. Like he's going to hang out with Legolas like they're just gonna find some random person to be find a random comet and then a random child (laughs) and so it's just like it's the it's all this like frantic effort that goes into kind of gesturing or like imitating imitating something badly that you don't care about at all which is really fun I think um yeah and also the way in which sort of no one's fooled but also maybe it isn't a huge problem that they're not fooled yeah at least the court is willing to watch them sort of go through this ridiculous thing yeah. I will say, you know, the only, like, then one, like, thought that one has in terms of, like, that being problematic at all is the, like, this kid's gonna be the next king of Gondor, huh? <laughs> but, like, why would, why would Aragorn's own child be any better than this urchin <laughs> that's still yeah, that's, you know, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he, can, he can sit on some court meetings. He'll, he'll figure it out. Yeah. He has a very kingly name, and that's the most important thing. That's true. It's all arbitrary anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It is arbitrary, and I guess he's like young enough that any like training he needs, he'll yeah. he'll get. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he'll be great. I mean, do we think that Aragorn is going to give him a good model of kingship, given how Aragorn <laughs> is playing? Like Aragorn is just kind of randomly like executing his guards for implying that his son is a hobbit. So it's not clear that he has that much to like offer as a king either. So. And and I will say, while I, I don't necessarily think that this is how Aragorn would rule, I do think there is something to the idea that Aragorn kind of doesn't seem to really like being king. Yeah, and also mm. that we've never really seen Aragorn as a king. We see Aragorn as like a like leader of this sort of, you know, band of people who are going through the woods trying to carry this ring. And that's a very different thing than being like the king of Gondor. Yeah, I mean, my God, he must have so many meetings. Yeah, like maybe he can't sit still for a meeting. I don't know. I mean, if you were used to wandering around in the woods doing exciting things, could you sit still for a meeting? Right. It doesn't feel like that he has that many duties in this, though. Besides, yeah, producing an Gondor is somehow like largely self-governing in some way. Like they have like mm. local councils that settle local issues, and they have kind of like a professionalized, established court system. And he doesn't actually have to do a lot. And even producing an heir is more of a hobby for mm. him, almost. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like there's that much pressure on him. <laughs> so maybe he has time to pursue his, like, silly plans of acquiring an heir through the least helpful ways possible, because he doesn't want to sleep with a woman. I feel like now what I want is I absolutely just want the, like, Aragorn being like, this meeting could have been an email. <laughs> <laughs> or what would it be? This meeting could have been a carrier pigeon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this meeting could have been a carrier pigeon sent to me while I was somewhere that wasn't the stupid palace. This email could have been a drunk letter sent at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we just talked about three kind of more serious and definitely like tragic uh, versions of the Aragorn Legolas relationship. This one seems very unworried. I mean, okay, it seems unworried about death, except that there is the desire to perpetuate, you know, to get an heir to perpetuate, you know, to provide for the well, I mean, state after death. In the very beginning death. of the story, in the very beginning of the story, Arwen is sort of confronted with her mortality, and that seems to be one of the true. And she goes off to the Undying Lands, I guess. Which I guess we've learned. So now, I mean, is she definitely mortal now because she married Aragorn or has she avoided becoming mortal? Oh, or is it only sex that makes you die? Yeah, I don't think we know. I'm not sure that's... Cl- I think the mechanics of Arwen's giving up of her immortality are not clear enough for that question mm. to have a definitive answer. I think we're supposed to think that she changed her mind and chose immortality. I mean, I sure hope so, because otherwise she's really getting a bad deal here. But I think, I mean, I think that that the simplest explanation is like, oh, she's already chosen mortality, but she's just regretting it. Because we're told it hadn't really occurred to Arwen that she would one day die, not until she gets a paper cut. And then she's, I mean, presumably the fact is she's now capable of getting a paper cut because she's mortal. And so it reminds her of her, of her imminent death. But actually elves have always been able to, so they won't die of natural causes, but you can kill them. Hmm. But is is that what this is? saying maybe it's just that she's never gotten a paper cut before or that she just is reminded in the story is that everyone is very unobservant so maybe that's Mm. trying to feed into that the same way that aragorn seems generally unobservant of a lot of things arwen is also like oh i guess i'm mortal now whoops everything happens accidentally Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they sort of they flub their way into what's actually maybe what they want but it's not through their like careful thought or design no and also, I mean, we're told that Aragorn has only a vague idea of what to expect on his wedding night. And so he's also like, I mean, we have all these people who are kind of, who don't have a lot of knowledge about the world, who are suddenly presented with things and being like, oh no, that's, like, this that's is not, not actually what I wanted. What I wanted. <laughs> like, I've gotten into something and I need to get out of it or whatever. And feels very much like it's coming out of the way in which Tolkien kind of envisions these sort of ethereal beings who seem like very uninterested in sex. And that's true, I would say, of the elves in general. And like Aragorn kind of also often seems like he falls into that category. And certainly like Aragorn and Arwen's relationship, I think, like feels very chaste. Like there's romance, but I really don't think that they ever successfully managed to give them any sexual tension. Like, even in the films that I think are trying and I think are failing. This is the kind of story that it would produce. This sort of them realizing on their wedding night, like, ooh. We are kind of not that into each other. And it's interesting because this the the whole mechanism of this plot is about trying to get around childbirth, which is obviously, you Mm -hmm. know, painful and dangerous as well. Yeah. Yeah, because also, even though it's not really explicit, I feel like there's also this like, oh, well, if Arwen is really freaked out by a paper cut, how freaked out would she be by the process of childbirth? Which is associated with mortality. I mean, if we imagine yeah, this yeah. as a sort of, you know, medieval issue. I mean, you know, not that like maternal mortality also, now is it like, still higher than it should be. Experience. But, like, like imagine you're an elf who doesn't really change over time. You're just sort of frozen in your adult body. The whole like bodily changes of pregnancy and then childbirth are probably like, really frightening, <laughs> let alone the danger of death. That could be a really fascinating, like, body horror style fanfic of, like, Arwen experiencing pregnancy. Ooh, yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds like that could be really horrifying. Yeah, no, like really upsetting, yeah. but like I think really interesting. Well, it's a good thing in this story she got out while she still could. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But I mean, but in canonically, you know, she does deal with that, so they'll be fine. And they kidnap the child successfully at the end. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I mean, you know, but canonically, like she does stay with him, and she gets pregnant and bears at yeah. least one child. I don't remember their the number of their children, but there's definitely at least one. What is her life like after that? I don't think we know very mm-hmm. much. I mean, we're uh, like we're really going off the append. We're really going off Appendix yeah. B here. <laughs> yeah, I like the way in which Crackvic has the potential to explore sort of very real issues of the canon, but in kind of a like silly, topsy turvy way. I think this also does a good job of being like very dialogue heavy in a way that's sort of comedic because you sort of learn things from the dialogue, not from any description, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and it really thinks through the way in which the original intersects with fan fiction in some ways, because like the original mm-hmm. not thinking about sex, the original not imagining queer relationships mm-hmm. being possible. Um, so I, I think it's a really interesting way to think through rereading this text. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, that Crackfic, even though, even though Crackfic, I feel like it's like looked down upon sometimes, I think Crackfic is like the most fan fiction of fan fiction in that the only people who write Crackfic are people who read a lot of fan fiction. So it's often something where you see sort of this interplay between the canon and fanon and then kind of like making fun that well i would say definitely we recommend it it's a really fun read uh especially if you've been reading more true if but if you've been reading the more sort of fatalistic depressing ones that we could call it um okay so i guess we usually do uh ratings but since we've just rated this pairing i guess what i'm going to ask is any if, if anyone hasn't listened to the previous episode where we give our initial ratings uh go ahead uh but does this change your ratings of this pairing in any way? That's or do you want question. to give this a separate rating? Murray, thoughts? Oh, no, I'm so on the spot. I mean, I do think that I feel like this specific fan fiction showed me something that I didn't think was possible, which was the comedic potential of the relationship. Because like I said in the last episode, I think there's a lot of comedic potential sort of inherent in Gimli and Legolas. I think that's sort of very, like, sort of easy to do because they have that sort of banter. But Legolas and Aragorn I didn't that's not something where I really saw this sort of comedic potential so I feel like it this is a this definitely sort of saw the pairing have more potential for me I don't think it's changing my rating though okay I'll ask Sarah last since her rating was so low last time (laughs) so I will say I also don't think that this changes my rating because my rating was already pretty high but I still like this and I think this is really fun all right Sarah thoughts (laughs) I'm glad that have Sarah on her podcast when she like rated one pairing really really high and the other pairing really really low. Yeah, she doesn't like, hold back. Like, That's good. Range of Sarah's opinions. Yeah, exactly. You've seen my my lowest and my and my highest. Well, I don't um, know. You could rate Thorin slash Bilbo lower. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Based on this fanfic, I would up it to a one. Oh wow! You're <laughs> generous. Amazing. Yeah. I will go up to a one. So this has vastly improved Sarah's. Uh, this Sarah's is rating. doubled. So so there you go. So we recommend it, and it's really fun. Thank you for listening to our bonus episode, um, and we will see you next week for our regularly scheduled episode discussing Thorin slash Bilbo, continuing on with Lord of the Rings, and Sarah will be joining us for the last time. Yes. Tragic. So excited.